Now, government food banks aim to provide uh, for the immediate and basic needs of most vulnerable members in our society and the indigent. And they rely on donors in order to fulfill this mandate. Now, some of the donors who give generously include farmers, market agents, exporters and retailers. And the market's uh, own food technicians determine which of the donated foods is actually fit for human consumption. Our reporter, Nozintombi Mia, uh, takes a deeper look at how these food banks actually operate and also the criteria that's used to identify those who are in need of assistance and how the food parcels are put together. Nozintombi, good afternoon. So um, let's talk about what's going on at these food banks, especially at a time when many South Africans who perhaps even previously were not dependent on them are now. Thank you so much, Sakina, and you're quite right. You know, the lockdown last year really um, created almost like a juggernaut effect on a lot of families who, as a result of the lockdown and as a result of um, their place of employment uh, being halted or the jobs uh, being lost, they needed to then rely on social services to be able to access uh, relief social grants or to be able to access some sort of um, food security or food sustainability. And in Gauteng alone, we've seen that the budget allocation for these food parcels for these kind of families that have been affected by the lockdown or the breadwinners that have been affected by the lockdown, that budget has doubled to almost 200 million. So on average, Gauteng would have used about 70 million um, for a yearly allocation for the social relief, for the food relief. But since March last year, they've seen that number having to double just to be able to reach the people who need these food parcels the most, Sakina. Now, Nozintombi, the people who need to reach these food banks, what is the process? How do they actually go about registering for these food parcels? And also, what are the criteria uh, that are used to make sure that it is, in fact, the right people, the people who are in need, who receive the packages? Nozintombi? You know, Sakina, it has been quite a, a trial and error process because you recall that before lockdown, the process of food allocation, it was a necessity, but it went to child-headed households, indigent families, or the elderly, or people living in, um, um, in, in foster or in home, in home care situations. And as a result of the changing nature of our society because of the lockdown and its impact, they've had to broaden the scope of people who have been able to access these food banks. So the standard criteria has had, has had to now um, increase or, 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 or be, be, be adjusted to be able to accept the different parameters. So not just child-headed households, but um, families that have been affected by disaster or those families that have a maximum income of 3,600 rand. So if um, the family has got two social grants, if, that social, if those social grants are less than 3,600 rand, then they, been, then, they do, then they are allocated and they do qualify for the food banks. And it was quite interesting when I spoke to uh, the Department of Social Development a little bit earlier. They say that what they do is they go into the communities with the help of uh, the local councillors 
and the local councillors register these people on their database. And when it comes time now to dole out the food packs, the department itself working with the NGOs and with the help of uh, some of the volunteers in and around the community, uh, use the register to go house to house to ensure that those food packs are given to those who are registered. Those who are registered, whether it's from the child-headed household or whether it's people who are getting less than 3,600 rands or the people who have lost their jobs and now are unable to um, provide food for their families. Those people are then given the food packs. But we do know, Sakina, that while the department and the NGOs working together with the local councillors have tried to ensure that the process does go according to plan, there have been multiple instances since March last year where communities have complained that uh, or have alleged that some of the local councillors have taken food parcels for themselves or the trucks have lost loads of food parcels or the food parcels have been stolen by unknown people. And this becomes problematic because the punitive measures that should be in place are not as rigorous as the application process. And this is a concern uh, not just to communities, but it should be a concern to the department as well to ensure that while they're doing all these uh, interventions and they're doing a great job with doing the interventions, the handover process and the, the, the amount of um, mistakes that could possibly happen or interference that could happen, you know, the it's a bit too wide for them to be able to legitimately or, or, or comfortably say we have blocked all the stumbling blocks that could lead to the food parcels um, not being given to the necessary beneficiaries. So that's a big issue that they still need to deal with. They've come a long way since last year. They really have improved on some of the security measures, but it's still an ongoing problem, a persistent problem that needs to be addressed, Sakina. And just a final question, what exactly is in that food parcel, Nozintombi? So in the food parcel, and it was quite an interesting question that I asked um, the social development uh, department, I asked them, are you using the services of a nutritionist to ensure that the food parcels are not just a hodgepodge collection of food sources that you're giving to people? And they've said that they are working with various nutritionists to ensure that they have an adequate ratio of staple food as well as fresh food and um, as well as some personal food items. So one of the food packs that, uh, because we are at one of the warehouses um, that, that houses the food banks, and of the food parcels that we saw, we saw of the staples, they have um, food items such as rice, such as sugar, we saw baked beans, we saw, we saw a big 5 kg of uh, maize meal. And um, in another section where they have the fresh foods, we saw fresh foods such as, um, you know, cabbages, uh, potatoes. And these are uh, food items that can um, feed a family of about five for, for about a month, and it can sustain them for about a month. And I found it quite interesting that, um, you know, one of the stats that came out was that of the food parcels that are being used and the food parcels that are being services, serviced just for Gauteng, they are servicing about 700,000 food parcels. And these 700,000 food parcels are able to feed 3.3 million people in Gauteng alone. And 
those are really big numbers. And that talks to the sheer need that people have on a month-to-month basis, Bikina, of people who need these food parcels. So the fact that uh, the food parcel does have an adequate nutritional ratio of starch to fresh foods and other um, items that a family of, let's say, five would need is important. But again, the persistent challenge that needs to be dealt with by the department is in the final step of ensuring that the food parcels do go to the necessary uh, beneficiaries or communities that have been allocated these food items. And we're not seeing, again, a reoccurrence of the food items going missing or of allegations of uh, local councillors or uh, community members, community leaders uh, taking these food parcels. Bekina. Nazin Dombimia, thank you so much. Uh, quite an important story, that one there, and the numbers quite staggering. And statistics, South Africa in uh, 2019, it was reporting that about 11% um, of the South African population at the time was actually suffering from hunger. So it would be interesting to take a new, fresh look at the latest statistics in that regard.